Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about treating Tommy John injuries of the ulnar collateral ligament non-operatively and how many times they end up getting surgery. The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure you knew about my free online course on the introduction to performance therapy and training. If you want to learn how to get started optimizing and enhancing performance, this is the course for you. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash performance to sign up today. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. I am joined by our crew at Champion PT and Performance. Uh, great collection of us today. In addition to our usual physical therapy crowd, we are super lucky that we have our director of fitness also joining us here, right? Woohoo! So, Dwesh Podell is joining us from Champion. He is the mastermind behind the things that we do in our gym right now. Um, so, stuff like fitness and sports performance, those things, and coming up with all of our systems that, that we help integrate. So, Dwesh has been uh, eager to join, but to be honest with you, we've been filming these at goofy hours. So uh, it's not that he uh, has been avoiding us. It's just that he's usually working or something, and we're taking our, our mornings off for the physical therapy group. So welcome, Dewesh. Dewey. Thank you. Dewey. Dewey. Lots of pressure here now, Dewey, because now the world knows you, and uh, they're going to expect to see you on future episodes. Uh-oh. I'll be here. I'll be here, everyone. <laughs> so anyway, join Lane McCrina, Dan Pope, Dave Tilly, Lisa Russell, Mike Scaduto, everybody here. I have no idea the way Zoom organizes the videos on your end, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't like that. But anyway, hopefully my crew can figure out who I pointed to when we do the transcriptions, and we'll have another amazing podcast episode. So anybody else want to hear me ramble, or should we get to the next question? I like it. Keep going. Ramble. Right. Or should, see, this is Len. This is for you. I'm going to bring the microphone down. The next question. Whoa, that sounds good. Was that, was that good? Yeah. I'm getting better at this. This is pretty good. I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning. From Tilly. <laughs> All right. What do we have? We have Justin from Miami he says, what's up, guys? Wondering your thoughts and experiences you've had with long term outcomes regarding Tommy John injuries, uh, returning to sport. Etc. without having surgery. So a non-operative treatment for grade one or grade two UCL sprains. Our clinic specializes in youth to major league baseball players, and the research is kind of all over the place, and it's very little on long-term outcomes. Seems like most of them get back to the sport easy, but we have many repeat offenders. What are your thoughts? So let's see. Let's start this off easy, because he said grade one, grade two UCL sprains. Uh, let's start this off easy. Dave Tilly, I'm going to call on you. You think, do you ever see grade one, grade two UCL sprains? Yes. You, mm-hmm. or you do really? I guess you do. I was, I was just thinking yours are more, yeah. yours would just blow up in the gymnast <laughs> environment. Like, in no, a, it was just like, like, like a yeah, grade there four. Some, there are some <laughs> grade 11 is the arm. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, we, we see a few of them because they're um, like hyperextension overloads. Like they like lock out into hyperextension and it sprains the anterior capsule and the UCL. That's it. Ooh, man. All right. We're going to come back to that. So because, wow, that's going to be hard to do non-operatively. Uh, but, but we'll, uh, we'll get back to that. So, yeah, I mean, so the, the big thing with the UCL though, <laughs> I think we should consider before we get too deep is grade one, two, and three, right. And kind of talk about those real quick before we discuss that. I love the scale by the, who came up with the scale? We have to, let's do the research on ligament injuries and how we came up with the scale. It's like mild, moderate, freaking torn in half, right? It's like, that is, that is our scale system, right? So, all right. So it's not freaking torn in half. So let's go. It's a, it's a one or a two, which I I don't even know how we really grade those, but it, with a with a UCL injury, it's very rare that it's traumatic—an acute traumatic injury, like it snaps in half. So I actually brought Dave up because in gymnastics, they probably get some some, some more more of those, right? Like because and Dave, how do they happen in gymnastics? Like forced hyperextension usually, or is it analogous? Classic foosh. People like put their arm out when they're like falling on a skill, and it like hyperextends and just gets the hardest case. And I can tell the story later, which I've been. I've never been more thankful for your guys' mentorship in my life. It's that we had the hardest case I ever treated was a girl who dislocated and tore both her Tommy Johns. We call them Tammy Janes and female, uh, but she <laughs> both at the same time. So she literally did a scale, landed both arms hyperextended, tore both her UCLs and dislocated both, and then had some nerve issues. And I was like, this is way too much for me as a new grad. Need help, need help. <laughs> so yeah, so we tried non-operative rehab. I'm just kidding. So yeah, so, so yeah, so she definitely went to surgery. That, that, one, that one was super injury easy, so... So Lenny, I think you're at a big disadvantage for this conversation, right? And, but, but I think you and I are a good tandem for this. You see a lot of injured people. You usually see them when they're worse off and less like, Hey, it hurts me a little bit. Like they usually got to be pretty flared up to get to see you or ready to go. What's your experiences in general on this? And what do you think your success rate is for non-operative? Yeah. um, I would say, I mean, I definitely can recall cases in my head where I've had people come in either after PRP or no PRP, and it was a mild sprain, right? Like a, that grade one, two, whatever. However, it's a very subjective uh, grading, um, I think. But I've had people successfully get back. <clears throat> it's especially the ones that are in their senior year and are just forcing it. Um, we'll get one, maybe two years out of it. But I don't recall, um, you know, that five, six year I got back. It's usually like it, 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 we're forced in the situation because of their personal situation. Um, I'd say more likely than not, they need surgery if they are symptomatic um, on the table and they can't throw. They're symptomatic on the table because they can't throw. So we, we look at them on the table and they're still symptomatic and there's a good chance they need surgery. Um, but again, I don't know how the docs determine it on MRI, like what they're, what they're looking for, particularly obviously looking for a gross you know, uh, you know, blowout, so to speak, where the, the uh, fluid's leaking out of the joint. Um, that probably doesn't have a you know, good prognosis, but I have had it. Um, why? I don't know. Maybe uh, I doubt it was anything in, in particular I did, like it wasn't anything different that I did, but I think uh, maybe on exam, somebody presents with pain with not all the tests that I do, which is going to be like a milking sign, which is going to be like a supine, you know, force valgus. Um, if they have pain, significant pain with both of those tests, there's a good chance they're going to fail, um, you know, non-op surgery, non-op treatment like PT. Um, but, uh, there is hope, but I would say it's probably, I don't know, 20%, maybe something like that at most, I would say. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I mean, you- I, th- 
I think I would agree with you with, with that percentage too. I mean, I wonder if a lot of times the grade ones that are mild injuries are the people that just have like an achy elbow and they don't even think anything of it, right? right. Like it's not injured, injured. It's like more yeah. a little sore. And then by the time they get in the clinic, it's almost a grade two. This is going to be our new scale, by the way. It's grade one is it's not sore enough to come see me. Grade two is it's sore enough to see me. And grade three right. is still, it's torn freaking in half. Right? right. So that's, that's our scale system. But like, uh, it, it's maybe that's a big part of it, Len, is because we don't see a lot of grade ones maybe, but yeah. um, that being said, I don't know. I just, I, I think over the years we've gotten a little bit more pessimistic with these, you know, once you start like injuring that it's such a small amount of stability or instability, I should say that you need to be dysfunctional, to have pain, to start having other symptoms like your joint get annoyed or your ulnar nerve get flared up or your flexor mass gets, get sore, something like that. So by the time we start seeing some symptoms, it's usually pretty tough. So I think to, you know, going back to Justin's question here too, is that oftentimes it's we're we're prolonging it. Um, I would say the only people that we do really successful with is the people that we literally get for the first time. So like Dave and I are co-treating a guy right now that didn't have pain ever in his life, senior in high school, didn't have pain ever in his life until two weeks ago and felt it on one bullpen. I'm like, okay, we got, we had a chance here, right? So maybe yeah. this was just annoyed. The flexor mass is a little annoyed. There's actually been studies in the last couple of years published that show that with some rest that the ulnar collateral ligament does change. Right. So it does, it changes with both stress in season and changes without stress in the off season. So maybe we can do well with that person. But once you have significant symptoms, it's tough. I would say, <clears throat> kind of going back to what Lenny said, one of the big indicators for us is we may still go through that non operative period. So, like six weeks without throwing, for example, is probably our big thing. I can usually tell if I'm confused on day one, it's usually by week three, I'm not confused anymore. You're either better or not. It's very rare that you get to week three, four, you're still a little sore, but then magically week five, week six without throwing, you're you're better, right? That is, you know, a little bit more pessimistic. So we use that as a scale. So um, I think you're right, Justin. I think there is some pessimism as to how well this works. I think it's probably because a lot of times they come see us uh, when it's a little bit too far along, right? But why don't we focus on what we can do in that six weeks real quick to kind of finish up this podcast episode a little bit, because I think we're all still going to be faced with that. Talked to Dr. Andrews in January this year. Um, so I, I still ask him like the same questions over and over like every year when I bump into him because I want to know his answers. But we still think the majority of people should go through that non-operative period of like six weeks of rehab because most of them aren't ready for it. Um, there are times that their exam on day one looks just bad enough and the timing of this injury dictates that, hey, let's get this going so we don't screw up this year and next year, right? But most times we're going to do that six-week period. So during that six weeks, I don't know, why don't we do this? Why don't we say, Lenny, I'd love to hear your thoughts on maybe like what's our, our, our brief summary of the rehab uh, plan in the six weeks? And then maybe even Dewesh, what do we do different in the gym maybe during those six weeks to really get a good like comprehensive program? But Len, you want to jump in yeah. on that? Yeah, I mean, obviously the elbow takes the brunt of the force with throwing. You know, we talk about, you know, layback position and follow through is uh, the two key instances where the most stress is on that anterior band of the UCL. So we treat the elbow, but we go definitely to shoulder and, and, and you know, scapular thoracic joint. Um, we put some research out that showed that lack of overhead mobility, so flexion, um, may contribute to stress on the elbow. So we have to look at that. Do they have good passive and active 
overhead mobility. If they don't, we need to address that to try to take some stress off that media level. Maybe that's why they, they, they caught them in trouble. Maybe they were doing something, you know, heavy lat dominant like throwing uh, or anything else that would uh, block their overhead mobility. So we're going to address that. Obviously, we're going to look at shoulder weakness. We're going to do some handheld dynamometry uh, isometric testing and see if their ratio of ER to IR is appropriate. We probably want you know about 65-70% of a ratio of external rotation, internal rotation. So we're going to try to tease that out. We're going to look at their total motion. Uh, we're going to look at, at passive external and internal rotation bilaterally and get a total motion number bilaterally. Hopefully, it's pretty symmetrical. Um, the numbers that make up ER and IR are going to be different. They should have more external rotation on the throwing side than the non-throwing side. If not, we got to figure out why. You know, I, it, there's, there could be a gazillion scenarios that can contribute to that. We got to figure out why and try to address it. So we're going to look at overhead mobility, total range of motion ratio. We're going to look at um, strength and, and then, you know, anything else. What are they doing in their programs? Do they ramp up their throwing? Did they begin incorporating a weighted ball program? Um, or something strenuous on the shoulder and elbow that may be contributing to this. And we're going to modify it or cut it out. So I think those, in a nutshell, are going to be my big points that I hit in somebody. And then we're going to come up with a program, and then we're going to figure out timeframes of when they need to get back to throwing, you know, and, and count backwards. How much time do we have until you have to throw again a season, and then figure out a throwing plan and come up with a plan for them and, you know, and, and then just kind of wing it from there, you know, adjust Solid. as needed. So it makes, makes perfect sense, right? So most of the times people come to us and it's not like we do an exam on them and you're like, wow, you look amazing. Like, right? right. Like there's, there's yeah. plenty of things we have to work on. So we're right. going to clean up their motion. We're going to clean up their strength deficits, which almost every kid has. Right. Um, and that, you know, I think the biggest thing, you know, cleaning up their motion, and their strength, and then obviously it's workload management. So it's, it's the first workload management is abstaining from throwing, right? So actually stopping throwing and taking that six weeks off and then trying to figure out what happened in that period how did they spike did they not have enough chronic workload buildup did they spike their acute chronic workload ratio like what happened with their throwing program they did did they do too much too soon and hopefully these are some of the things that we can do when we get back uh now duesh last kind of like thing right here for me i every kid asked me um you know we finish up our exam we talk about like all right here's what we're going to do here's our six-week program and then the first thing they always ask is they say like uh can i still work out and they're always surprised when i said yeah absolutely you can do everything and they're like wait what um you know part of that's because i know duesh doesn't do anything stupid but like like and you can do something stupid but maybe duesh can talk about like some of the stupid things you could do with like a, a tommy john but but yeah no i mean training wise I, I hate to say it but like I mean, it's valgus stress that mm -hmm. causes this injury, right? So we're not doing a ton of valgus stress, but that, Dewey, anything that goes through your head in that six-week period that you do different in the gym? Yeah, I mean, to start, the biggest thing for me is honestly, like, and you kind of mentioned this, is I want to make sure I still have confidence built in the athlete and letting them know that there's a ton that they can do, right? And we focus a ton on those things so that they're not bummed out about their elbow, but also bummed out about not being able to work out. So like for one, it's, you know, instilling a ton of confidence saying, all right, there's a ton that we can do in the gym. There's probably a small percentage of things that we're not going to do, right? So some of these, these things might include stuff like front rack position uh, for front squat. Obviously, we're not going to do cleans. A lot of our pitchers don't do cleans to begin with anyways. Because, um, yeah, like Red, Lenny talked about the milking side, right? That, that's it right there. Um, <laughs> we don't, we don't want to force it with speed and weight. Right. <laughs> So, I mean, that, that's stuff that we're avoiding. And then, um, you know, we might even avoid some things. And this, this we actually do with our general athlete population anyways. If they're hypermobile, right? Tilly kind of mentioned in the gymnast, like super aggressive hyperextension. 
right? We're keeping an eye on how we're coaching people through push-ups and things like that that might, you know, take them into that gross hyperextension. And we're going to try to cue, cue them out of that or maybe even not program some of those things where we know they're going to default into it. And then after that, it just becomes, you know, a game plan working with the PTs. But right? if I'm working with Lonnie, we're going to you know, talk back and forth about, you know, what the next step for the progression is when we start adding in med ball stuff, right? Because we probably got to be doing that stuff before we get back into throwing actual baseball. Um, yeah, so I mean, once you, you know, figure out what you want to avoid, build up some of the strength, the rest is just communicating with the PT and, you know, figuring out a game plan to get the athlete back in, back in action. Awesome. Makes sense. And, and, you know, I think the only thing I would add probably with that is that sometimes, depending on how bad these injuries are too, you can have like a decent little flexor pronator strain that that comes with this. And just, just keep that in mind too. But I mean, I think that'll be a little self-limiting. It'll be obvious, but like sometimes we're not like going heavy grip. Like I don't think the six week period is like the time to PR your deadlift, right? Like we'll get to that down the road, but you can certainly do things. You can hold dumbbells, you can hold bars. It's okay. But like, maybe we're not like pushing that in everybody in this six week period. You have one thing that matters right is getting this thing to heal to try to avoid surgery so all right last thing i want to throw in there lenny didn't mention this lenny is there anything you could do to facilitate healing of the ligament oh no um no not at all no um yeah we use modalities shocking people um we use laser i like a class four laser that we uh use in our clinic we use the light cure laser and we use ultrasound um, <gasps> we, we, <laughs> yeah i know it's, wow uh, Wait, you, usually, you use ultrasound i yeah, i feel like i go clockwise and not and not counterclockwise because that's that on social media um to make fun no of way it. that's yeah. not real is it oh that's, oh, that, oh, that, that's right. the joke that's, yeah that's, that's like totally, totally, yeah. Yeah. totally. <laughs> <laughs> running water in australia it's the opposite way. <laughs> right in the southern hemisphere you go counterclockwise when you do an ultrasound um no i mean there is research that shows that uh, in in ligaments it can help with collagen formation so why not right these kids are you are, are looking for something for healing there is research to show that it does so i do ultrasound on their ligament along with laser and and then that takes what eight minutes total and then i do the rest of the treatment with the stuff I addressed earlier. So it's a small thing. It's not the only thing I do. They're not getting eat ultrasound and then a little massage and then going on their way. I would love that. Uh, it would probably, it could help. Um, but there's definitely more to it, but we definitely use modalities. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a great example of why we use modalities. Sometimes our, our PT students come in, especially if they're big on Instagram, they'll come in and like, they start working with the, you know, the first week, of non-op Tommy John. And we're like, all right, Hey, let's do an ultrasound on them. And they're like, they're like taking aback. They're just like, Oh, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to, to, to reconcile my beliefs right now, like with, with, with what I'm learning uh, and they get all, all bent out of shape. But yeah, I mean like there's, there's studies on, you know, rats and rabbits or whatever. I don't know what the study, but on like ATFLs and MCLs and the knee, it's like, look, we got six weeks to get this kid back into playing baseball. We're going to do anything we can. So our goals, normalize motion, get their strength back, get their total body going in the gym while we facilitate healing of the ligament. I'll do anything we can to do that while we're in that no throw period and then slowly progress them back and hopefully make adjustments to their workload progression that may have got them, them into this jam. Now, one thing we didn't talk about was biomechanics because that's not us, right? We don't, that's, that's not our world. We send them to the sport coaches for that. 
sure, do we do I look at the kids' mechanics sometimes, even on video, and just see if there's anything jumping out? Yes, but then we'll we'll send them to you know a friend of ours, somebody that we work with, a colleague that we can say like, hey, he's got a couple things that look like they put a little extra stress on his ligament. What can we do? Right. So hopefully that You'd helps. You'd be surprised, right? <laughs> yeah, that, I mean they all like, do. Uh, no, it's all I wonder why your elbow hurts. Like, how yeah. did you learn to throw like that? <laughs> yeah, the kids are crazy. But yeah. so Justin, hopefully, hopefully that helps. I think we share your sentiment that these are often unsuccessful, but maybe sometimes there's some things we can do to make them more successful. So hopefully that helps. If you have a question like this, head to micron.com, click on that podcast link and be sure to fill out the form. Ask us anything you want. We'll be answering all your questions in future episodes and be sure to go to iTunes, Spotify to subscribe, rate, review, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeReynolds.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeReynolds.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.